Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today, especially on Saturday, especially on a sunny Saturday in Wisconsin. Wow. This is like the second or the third best year we've had in weather. And you are in church. So here's what I want you to know. God called me, emailed me actually, and just told me that you're going to have a really great place in heaven because you left the splendor of the outside to come in. I told Tammy, I don't know who's going to be at church today. Now, here's the other big question. How many of you have been outside today? Like pretty a long time? Okay, that's the other thing. Okay, which means about 15 minutes into this message, you're going to start doing this. It's kind of a dark room. I'll try to shout, but, but most of the time it, it'll be... So I just want to say thanks for being here, and I know how these days go. I've been outside as well and, uh, and just enjoying the weather. I want to give some, some major props out to our student life, our uh, middle schooler and high school ministries today and tomorrow. They've got a huge missions emphasis, and so today they raised about $10,000 just from 9 a.m. till 2 o'clock. Yeah, give them a big hand. And they were doing all kinds of projects, and if they were at your house, they were at my house, they were at everybody's house, they were doing, they were mulching, they were, I had them digging up rose bushes at my place. And so they were doing all kinds of stuff and raising money for missions, and, uh, and then tomorrow is the big 5K run, and I think that you could still be a part of that if you'd like to. Is that correct? Yeah, you just go to the resource center afterwards. Even if you don't want to run, you just want to get a t-shirt like I'm going to and just walk because you're too fat and old. Uh, you can do that too. And so that's going to happen and all the proceeds go to missions. Our students this week were honored in a statewide meeting uh, for their, their missions giving, our high school and junior high students, because they gave, uh, they gave 50, well, $55,000 total for missions last year. And so, yeah, and so it's, it's events like this weekend that make that happen. And so 10th in the nation and first in the state, our students, our children, BGMC, moms and dads, those of you that have uh, uh, little, those little yellow buddy barrels that they go home with, and the third weekend of every month, basically, they do a special missions thing for the elementary age kids. Uh, they, they gave over $20,000, and uh, were number one in the, in, in the, uh, in the state, and they were uh, 13th or 14th in the nation. And so they were honored. And that happens, and this is what's so cool to me, that happens because there's a culture here at Life Church that's it's about reaching people around the corner around the world. And this stuff is caught, not taught. And so we're raising up a generation of kids who care, who care enough to give a great day like today, and leaders who care enough to devote their time and their energy to that. And uh, so I just want to just say thanks to all of our students, high school, junior high, and elementary students, just did an amazing job this weekend and probably will grow somewhere just under 20,000 in two days for missions. And that's just amazing. So that, that's, my, that's my props for all of that. Today I want to wrap up this series on Overwhelmed. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of First Kings. It's in the Old Testament, First Kings. Uh, I'm going to walk through, I'm going to walk you through verbally through chapter 18, but I'm really going to hit chapter 19. Uh, last two weekends ago, we began this series on Easter. We had 101 decisions for Christ in all of our three campuses and in the weekend services, which is amazing. You, Lord, praise for that. That's awesome. And, uh, and so, um, so as we kind of opened this series up, 
and Nando and our creative team here, uh, Eva and Phil and uh, Chris, just did a great job putting everything together from the video elements to the musical elements just to set everything up. I had more people say that video at the end was amazing. The lives and the stories. There's nothing like life change, is there? There's just nothing like it. And so last weekend, Pastor Ryan Coggins, our executive pastor, did a great job as he talked about our need for control when it comes to feeling overwhelmed. And today I want to wrap this series up uh, talking about kind of the effects of being overwhelmed and, and of overwhelming living uh, exhaustion. And, um, and so because the culture in which we live in does not value rest or pace or cadence, it values work and being busy and frantic and hectic. And so we're more medicated than we've ever been. We're more tired than we've ever been as a people. We're more stressed out than we've ever been. The average work week no longer is 40 hours. It's 50 hours in America. And uh, 25 years ago, it was 40 hours. The average person gets less than seven hours of sleep a night, a little over six. And uh, when the doctors tell us that we need eight just to make it through, uh, 43% of Americans have no summer vacation plans 25% of Americans, most of which who work in private sector jobs, don't get vacation, in essence. Uh, Bill Gates is known for making the statement, between 1978 and 1984, I only took six days off. And we kind of go, wow, that's kind of prized. Matter of fact, Fortune magazine, a secular business magazine, wrote an article, and they were talking about the franticness uh, and the hectic pace that people take, this exhaustion in which we live with. And uh, they looked at several executives in America, and this is a couple years ago, but Marissa Meyer, then the VP of Google, uh, responds to seven to 800 emails personally a day, works 14 hours on Saturday and 14 hours on Sunday, gets four to six hours of sleep every night. Andy, uh, excuse me, Amy Schuleman, a partner at DLA Piper, which is the largest law firm in America, uh, has two assistants, and they both work 17 hours each a day. She responds to 600 emails most of the time, she says, until midnight. Jane Friedman, the CEO of HarperCollins, personally responds to every single email. Wow, I don't do that. Brett Yorkman, CEO of the New Jersey Nets, wakes up at 3.30 a.m. He's at office by 8 o'clock, home at midnight, three, to five, three and a half to four hours of sleep a night. And the article goes on to say that on the weekends he goes in at 7 a.m. This is the world in which we live. And this is when you, when you aspire to do something corporately or in the marketplace or whatever, it's, it's, this is part of the pace. It's part of what's accepted. It's part of what happens. You want to you wanna excel. You want to do. This is what you do. And I, I, this message this is not about beating up on people for working hard. I believe in working hard. Um, and nor is it me standing on the platform telling you how you need to live when I have my own issues. Because everybody that knows me knows I like to keep a pretty fast pace, okay? So this is a bit the kettle, uh, um, the, the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, it's just kind of like, hey, you know. But, uh, but this is an issue, and this is a new issue. And it's not just a marketplace issue. It's a ministry issue. More pastors, there are 1,500 ministers leaving the pulpit every single month in North America. Among professionals, the third highest group that is treated for depression are ministers. 
in America. It's, 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 it's just, it's the world in which we live in. And sometimes I think we think, well, has this ever existed? Is this just a new phenomenon? Is this just something? And how do we deal with this? How do you navigate this? What does the Bible say about it? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, it talks about a man named Elijah, a prophet of God, who is a prime example of living life overwhelmed and the full effects of its exhaustion that can happen. Now, I want to walk you through this and kind of set it up. If you're in 1 Kings 18, you'll, you'll see some of these characters, if you will. You have Elijah, the prophet of Israel. You've got King Ahab, who was a terrible leader, terrible leader, uh, basically a non-leader, but he was the king of Israel. You've got Jezebel, his wife, uh, and, dude, she was like hell on wheels. I mean, she worshipped false gods. Uh, Baal was the primary god, uh, and, uh, and she tried to introduce this worshiping of Baal uh, to the nation of Israel. Again, her husband is the king of the nation of Israel who belonged to God. So, <coughs> excuse me, Elijah has an idea. Here's what he's going to do, and, and, and 1 Kings chapter 18 records this. He's just going to have a, have a showdown between these two gods, between Jehovah God, the God that you and I serve, and between Baal, this, this, this one that claims to be God, and so the prophets of Baal, which numbered 450, were going to meet Elijah, one. And they were going to meet on top of Mount Carmel. And they were just going to have a showdown. And basically both, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, were going to prepare their altars. And then they were going to both have a chance to call on their God to send fire from heaven and let fire fall and simply consume the altar. So they arrive up there, and Elijah goes, hey, you guys can go first. If you read chapter 18, and I don't have time to unpack it, it is hilarious, the amount of sarcasm. I'm telling you, there's no late-night commentator or, or talk show host that has more sarcasm than Elijah does. At one point, if you literally go to the translation, he mocks the, 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 the God of Baal so much to say, guys, maybe the reason why he's not showing up is because he's in the bathroom. That's literally how it's translated from, from the Hebrew. And so, I mean, this is just totally that way. And so he says, you guys can go first. So the Bible says that they put these elaborate altars out. They, they mark themselves up. They cut themselves. They do everything. They cry out. They do all of that. And then Elijah goes, okay, guys, they're done. Nothing happened? Okay. So then he takes the altar, and he drenches it with water, puts, puts, puts basically uh, 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 the, uh, ditches around, in essence, you can tell I'm from Arkansas, around the, 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 um, the altars, fills them with water, does everything he can that would be the antithesis of fire consuming it, and then calls upon God. And the Bible says, God opens up the heavens, fire falls, consumes not only the altar and all the contents on it, but wicks all the water up until it's dry ground. And then Elijah stands there. This is like one of those, like, Sylvester Stallone, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is one of those, like, hero moments. You can tell I'm a kid of the 80s. This is one of those moments where it's just like, game on, baby. Come on. All between me and you is air and opportunity. If you're feeling froggy, just jump right now. Here it is. It's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, he has called them. And the Bible says that, that in terror, these guys began to run. And Elijah goes and kills all 450. Just destroys them. And then, after he does this, Here's what begins to happen. I want you to watch this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab, the king, 
told Jezebel, which is his wife, the queen in essence, everything Elijah, the prophet of God, had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel, this is a lady. I mean, he's just killed 450 men. Sent a messenger to Elijah that said this, May the gods, lowercase g, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. If I don't kill you in 24 hours, may the gods deal with me, she says. You would expect at this point Elijah just to go, Hey, you're just one more person, and I don't even like you. You know, like this is just service merchandise. Just stand in a line. Just take a number, lady. I don't care. You know, I mean, he's just called fire down from heaven. You know how like stinking cool that would be? You people look at that like, well, that just happens to me on Thursdays. <laughs> no! He calls it down from heaven. I mean, you're talking about God saying, that's my man. That's him. That's my boy. I mean, it's on. And then he destroys these prophets himself. And then this lady, who quite frankly is pretty jacked up if you read Scripture, sends him this. And you would think he would be pretty unflappable. Look at his response in verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and he ran. He ran for his very own life. And when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went on a day's journey to the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. What? You just want to, like, rewind the tape on that. I mean, just... just he was afraid of one lady who worshipped the false god who he had just destroyed, and he ran for his life, and he goes and he hides out under, under a tree and then asks God to take his life? Suicidal thoughts and tendencies and the whole deal? What, what, what's going on? And here's what I contend. It's what I call the Mount Carmel meltdown. You see God do amazing things in your life. You ascend to the top of whatever mountain it is that you're trying to ascend to. You get what it is you've been trying to get. And all of a sudden, when you have it, and when you get to that place, what do you do? Where do you go from there? How, how much Listen, how much higher can you get than calling down fire literally from heaven and then destroying 450 false worshipers of a false god? That's just like, wow. That's not an everyday occurrence. And the reality is, is that's what's happening in his life. He's gone from the very pinnacle. Where do you go from there? Typically, from that point, there's nowhere but down. And then what's interesting is this adversary who's been nipping at his heels all along comes and rears their ugly head once again, and, and he just wants to quit. He wants to die. Why? He's completely overwhelmed. He's completely exhausted. And listen to me. When you or I get exhausted, we lose perspective. When you get exhausted, you lose perspective. It's like a, it's like a vertigo just that's taking place in your life. You lose perspective of who you are. You lose perspective of who God is. You lose perspective of your very own purpose. You lose perspective of who you are, of who God is, 
and your purpose. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed with exhaustion? Let's read on what he did. Verse 5 of chapter 19. Then he, Elijah, lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread that was baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and says, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by the food. Then he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave to spend the night. Now don't be sidelined by he went to a cave. There, there was no like La Quinta to go to. So he, that's, it's not a bad thing that he went to the cave. That'd be like, and he went to the hotel and he got a room he said the night to meet God the next day. That's what that would be. So we see Elijah sleeps and eats, sleeps and eats, exercises. That's a lot of exercise and walking 40 days, I'm just telling you. And then sleeps again. What do you do when you're overwhelmed with exhaustion? Because that's what's happening. He physically has come to the end. He's emotionally drained. He's spiritually spent. That's part of the problem. When, when, you, when, you, when you go, when you ascend, there's an emotional energy that happens at the height of whatever your profession is. And when you reach that pinnacle, there's something that you're just, you're, you're, you're down. That's your, your, your most susceptible, your, your most. And let me just stop and say this. If you are at the height of your game, you need to beware. Because this is probably the greatest amount of susceptibility that you have in your life of just falling apart. 70% of pastors, after they build a sanctuary, they build a building, they resign. Because you've spent years getting to a point. You have, you have spent so much energy getting to a place that all of a sudden you get to this place and you have this great, incredible moment. And then where do you go from there? You can't just go build another building. You can't just go, 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 go develop another. another there, it, because there's something that's physical about it. There's something that's finite about it. Because so much of ministry is so... Um, uh, uh, infinite in essence. It's, 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 it's not quantified. It's not something that you can just say, here, we started this and we stopped this. It's, it, the work never ends. And so when you're able to accomplish something where all of a sudden it's like it's, it's definite, it's, it's tangible, it's real, it's concrete, no, no pun intended, then like a building a building, then all of a sudden you're able to, and then you go from there and then you're like, where do I go? What do I do? I'm lost. It, this is a very natural ebb and flow of, of humanity, of our own human psyche and our emotion. And so this is what's happening with Elijah. But the first thing we see when you're overwhelmed with exhaustion is to recharge yourself physically. Before he does anything spiritual, before he hears the voice of God, before any of that happens, he first has to recharge himself physically. Why? Because if you're not well physically, you're not able to hear anything else that's going on. Missionaries learned this a long time ago, that when you go to a third world developing country, you, you can't expect them to listen to the gospel being preached if, 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 if it's being drowned out by, by the, the sounds of their, of their grumble in their tummy because they're hungry, because of their hunger pains. And, and, and if you're in physical pain, uh, and, and we've all been there before, you, you don't care. It's, 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 I just need this to stop. I, I need this to be there. If you've ever been depressed, you know what I'm talking about. I just need this to stop. I just need to be in a right mind. I need to be in a right place. But I don't have time to stop. I, I don't have time to sleep. I, I don't have time to eat. What does he do? He stops. 
He eats. He sleeps. He gets up and he does it again. It's just seasons. It's things that happen. And you've got to recharge yourself physically. And everybody in this room, that's different. It, it's, it's different for all of us, what we need and, and really what's necessary. But, but it's something that we have to have. Look on and read on in verse 11. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Mount Horeb was a place where God spoke. It was a mountain of God. So he's there. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great, powerful, I love this next, next passage of Scripture. This is probably my, this is just amazing. Then a great, powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And he said to him, and he goes on, verses 16 through following, instructs him exactly what he needs to do. And if you read the rest of the story, he follows the instructions that God gave him and is restored until God takes him to heaven. Here's what I want you to catch. Elijah was first recharged physically. And when he got to that state, then he was ready to to be recharged spiritually. That's the second step, is to be recharged spiritually. When you get to the place where your physical health is there, then you're able to hear the voice of God. Many times the reason why we can't hear the voice of God is because we're just physically, we are drained, we are spent. We just need to take some time to physically get all the vitals back up. That we're at a healthy place in essence. And then he hears the voice of God. And God doesn't speak to him in any other way that he'd speak to him before. The last time God had spoke to him was through the fire. But remember, God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He was in the simple whisper of his voice. And in the deep throes of depression and exhaustion that Elijah was, there, was at, he would have never heard the whisper. And I believe God is a speaking God. That's not the question, even to today. Because the Bible says he's a saying today, yesterday, and forever. He changes not, Malachi declares. The question is, are we listening? The question is, am I physically at a place where I can listen? Am I physically prepared myself to a place that I can hear from God? Do I have so many other things that are happening in my world that are competing for my time, that are competing for my energy, that are competing for my attention, from media to work to kids to school to to, to, to-do lists to, to trying to keep up with the Joneses to, to this deal and that deal and this client and that client and closing this and doing that, that all of a sudden I'm left spirit, I'm left physically spent, and then I find myself sitting on a church pew on a weekend service, and it gets cool and it gets quiet, and all of a sudden what happens? I begin to fall asleep. Why? 
because I'm exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you can't hear. When you're exhausted, oh, you'll see the earthquake and you'll hear the torrential rains or the torrent of winds or the fire that may fall, something that's hugely spectacular. But the simple, still, small voice of God, you won't be able to recognize. And some of you, the reason why it's been so long in your life that you've experienced that is because the reality is, is you're looking for God to do something hugely spectacular because, quite frankly, that's the only thing that's going to get your attention. Because you're running and spinning your wheels and making your deals and, and trading days for dollars left and right and go, 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 and you are spent. And God is a gentleman. And he's not going to intrude where he's not invited. I like to say God is at Starbucks grabbing a grande, skinny, cinnamon, dolce latte, saying, hey, when you come to the end of your bad self, just let me know. But until then, he just lets you just go until you're gone. And what's interesting here is this is a man of God. This isn't a pagan. This isn't a sinner. This isn't someone that doesn't love. He just called fire down from heaven a few weeks earlier. Because sometimes, even in doing the work of God, the work of God can kill you. You know the reason why I'm not here every weekend? Because when I stand before God, he's not going to have a list of how many weekends I preached and didn't preach. That's not my requirement. My requirement is make sure that the word of God is served hot and fresh in this platform every weekend to serve the seeker and build the believer. That happens. But guess what? Life Church isn't built on Aaron Cole. I don't have some big S on my chest, contrary to popular opinion. There'll be a day that God will be done with me. I'll walk out that door, either by heaven, by the grave, or Tammy be pulling me in a wheelchair. I don't know, but I'll go, and I'll be done, and there'll be somebody else. There's been greater men before me, greater men after me. I'm not killing myself. How do you avoid overwhelming exhaustion? Let me give you just one thing. Find a sustainable pace. Let me explain this. Find a sustainable pace. And what I mean by that is that's different for everybody in the room. Because sustainable for one person may not be sustainable for you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like payload capacities of pickup trucks. You have the small, like, S10 Ford Ranger. Then you have more like a, you know, a, a 1500, like, a, you know, an F-150 Ford or a 1500 Chevrolet GMC. Or then you go to the big 250s. And then, and then you get into really more heavy machinery type trucks where you're getting into dump trucks and 18-wheelers. And the payload capacity increases. And everybody in this room, you have a different payload capacity. There's a different amount of stress you can handle and a different amount of, of workload that you can do. And, and, and that's just it. It's kind of like if you look at, at, you know, at, corn, at, at, at acreage and you look at, at, talk to a farmer, he'll tell you, hey, I've got, 40 acre, I've got 40 acres over here and this gets me 60 bushels an acre. But across the way over here, I've got another set of acreage and it only gets me 20 bushels an acre. Same farmer, same seed. What's the different? Different soil, different capacities. So it's important for you to understand what's your capacity. You know what you can do. You know when you're breaking. You know what's going on. I have friends that preach 48 weekends a year. Go on with your bad self. I 
do not. That's awesome. I'm not doing that. I don't have that much to say. I make up most of this stuff. No, I'm just teasing. But I'm just saying, you know, it's just like, no. I got to stay fresh. Last summer, I took a 30-day sabbatical. And I had more people come up to me afterwards and just said, man, you were just like preaching on fire. Yeah, I hadn't preached in five weeks. I talk for a living. This is what I do. Tammy was ready for me to get out of the house. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the point is, is that there is a, it, it's, it's different for everybody. How many hours a week you should work and what you should do. But the reality is, is that you've got to find a pace that you can sustain. Not just for a week, not just for a month. I understand there are seasons. CPAs, accountants in the room, January 1, April 15th, it's a crazy season. You know, I understand that. But taking that out of the equation on a regular basis, what's your sustainable pace? Every family is different on what you can handle. Some of you, your husband or your wife has to be home every day at 5 o'clock or the world falls apart. Some of you, it's not a big deal. Some of you, you, you travel all the time and your spouse is completely fine with it and it works for you. And others of you, you try that and that just does not work for your family. Everybody's different. And here's the deal is don't look at the person across the aisle or sitting next to you and just go, well, that's, that's the ideal thing. No, no, it's different for everybody. But you've got to find that sustainable pace. But here's the key to everybody's sustainable pace. This is really, really, really deep what I'm about to say. I may even have to like give a definition for this. The key is rest. R-E-S-T. Regardless your payload capacity, you have to have rest. You have to have downtime. You have to have time to recharge your batteries. Some batteries last longer than others. I give you that. But every battery has to be charged. And in our culture, this is underappreciated and undervalued. But what rest does, it allows you to recharge yourself physically And recharge yourself spiritually. Because when you're physically rested, then you're spiritually aware. That's what we see in the life of Elijah. But when you are physically exhausted, it doesn't matter if God himself is on the platform speaking. You don't hear it. Because right now what's happening is you're competing with social media that you've got texting and tweeting and, and Facebooking and got to keep up with. And I got to do this after church and I got to do this and I got to meet this person. Next week this is happening and next week this is happening and this is going on. And God himself does this. The creator, when God created the heavens and the earth, he worked six days and on the seventh day he rested. God created you and I to work the exact same way. Again, I'm a, I'm a big believer in work ethic. I think you can work six days a week, and that's just me, I, I, because that's what God did. But, but the reality is, is that you've got to have a day off. It's called the Sabbath. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's one of the basic tenets of the Judeo-Christian faith and values, is that you have to have a time where you cease from everything else, you physically recharge your battery so that you can spiritually hear from God. Not just, hey, I got an hour and I got to get this church service done because I got to check this off on my list too because I just, I've got to be somewhere before and somewhere afterwards. That's not the intention. I'm preaching now. I'm all up in your kitchen right now. Dude. I just got, I started rattling some pots and pans. Woo, if I had a black choir and a Hammond B. organ, we'd have church up in here. Listen, 
This is the truth. We just schedule God as, as another component of what we've got to do, another add-on in the to-do list, another just bing, i got to do this on the calendar. And the reality is God doesn't work that way. Sometimes he works through that very still, small voice. Most of the time, he works through that very still, small voice. Aaron, what are you doing here? Gallup poll polled 1,000 kids in the U.S. between the third grade and the twelfth grade. Just listen to this. And they asked this one question of third graders through seniors in high school. If you were granted one wish that would change the way your mother or your father's work affects your life, what would your wish be? Let's say that again. A thousand kids were asked between the third grade and the twelfth grade, if you were granted one wish that would change the way your mother's or your father's work affects your life, what would that wish be? The parents of those children were also asked or given the same question, and they were asked to guess what their child's responses would be. The parents guessed of their child's responses. Most of the parents in the 90th percentile said that they thought their children's response would be more time with them. The kids said they wished their parents would be less tired and less stressed. Our kids want us as parents to be rested and replenished so that when they interact with us, we're not boom, 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 I don't have time, I don't have time, boom, you don't understand. No, they don't understand. There are times I'm talking to my girls and going, you have no clue blah, 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 what I'm doing and where I'm going. They have no clue. They don't care. They don't care what meeting I've been at. They don't care what award I received. They don't care what office I got voted into. They don't care who I just had dinner with. They don't care. They, they, they don't care. I am their dad. That's it. And all they want me to do is to be someone in their life who's stable, who's consistent, and who has a certain amount of gentleness towards them because the world in which they live in does not. They don't even need more time with me. They just want the time where I'm present that I am not on edge because I am overwhelmed, fatigued, stressed, and exhausted. Jesus illustrates the sustainable pace. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 14, he's just fed 5,000, pretty big high. And his response after this, it'll be on the screen for you. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, and he dismissed the crowd. Peace out, Elvis has left the building, right? And after that, he dismissed them, and he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. You see this all throughout Christ, I mean, all throughout Christ's life. He does great things. He's with the people. He's being drained just like a charge of a battery. And when he's done, boom, he is out. He is gone. And you find himself alone. What? Recharging that battery. Just getting alone with God. Building up his spiritual man. Building up his physical man. Jesus understood the need to retreat and recharge as we do. Okay, I think we got the point. Here's what I want to do today. I want to challenge you with doing something, all of you in this room. Basically, there are three things. 
Can you write these down? One, I want you to ask your spouse, if you're married, if you have children that are old enough to understand this, they could do that. If you're single, you may ask friends, someone that's really going to be candid with you. Not like a boyfriend or girlfriend that you're like in love with and they're in love with you and it's like, oh, you're so great, so dreamy. No, it's, it's totally fine. No, don't ask that person. Get on my nerves. You know what I'm talking about? All sappy in love. Don't do this. And if, you've just, if you're newly married, don't ask your spouse because it's all like, oh, she's wonderful. He's wonderful. She's wonderful. No, you're horrible. All right, anyhow. Ask the question, am I exhausted? And is my, my pace sustainable? Am I exhausted? Do I seem depleted to you? And how sustainable is my pace? Maybe you put on a scale to 1 to 10. 1 being the battery's about to die. And 10 being you're completely charged. And if they say you're a 5 or less, then what needs to change? Because many times the people that are around us the most are the people that, can, that love us the most, that tolerate us sometimes, and that will speak truth into us. I mean, I do this regularly with Tammy. There was a, a deal about six, seven weeks where I was literally, I was in meetings all over, and I was on an airplane like every week. So I've been asked to serve on this board and this board, and I had two board meetings at two different institutions during that week. And I'm happy to do it, and I'm honored to do it. It's a ministry, man. It's life-changing. It's, it's incredible organizations, and, and it's an honor to be there, and, and it's incredible to meet these people and to go, but you just, you, you're, not, you're tired, and you're dealing with airports, and it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, and it's just, you just get, and I, I lost stuff, and I don't ever lose things, and it was just, and there's just times I go, hey, and she's like, you're doing this, you're doing way too much. You're, 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 you are, you are, your battery's going down. And I just know, I, I just can't do that. I've got to restructure a few things. It's a season. So, am I exhausted? Is my pace sustainable? Scale of one to 10, one being I'm about to die, 10, I'm completely charged. If so, what do you think needs to change? Second challenge is, this week, the next seven days, Take a Sabbath from work. Take 24 hours where you don't work. 24 hours where you pull back. That, here's what that may mean for some of you. For some of you, it may be just disconnecting from the phone, social media, email, the Internet. Oh, my Lord, how did we get, what are they going to do? I don't know. Go back to 1985 when none of that stuff existed. What did you do? You lived, right? With Miami Vice, amen, and Gumby right? And some Vans tennis shoes. Holla. I'm just saying. I was going to say something else and the filter caught it. I can't say that. For some of you, it may be, don't go by the office. So go by the office just for a minute. So pick something up just for a minute. So go by the office just for a minute. It may mean that you need to stay at home, pull the blinds, don't answer the door. It's, just, it's the Girl Scout girl. Don't even answer for her. It may mean that you need to leave town. But I'm telling you, 
The way God, the creator, built you and I is to be six days on and one day off. That's the rhythm. Six and one. Six and one. Six and one. Six and one. If you work on staff here and you don't take your day off and I find out about it, I'll get on to you. The second time I'll write you up, the third time I'll fire you. Because what I don't need are physically exhausted staff pastors who are emotionally and physically spent that when the enemy comes against them, they fall and they fold like a cheap suit. Because that's what happens. The third challenge. This is really going to be big. For somebody in this room, they're going to love this, and somebody's going to hate my guts over saying this. But plan a vacation. At least just put it on the calendar. You can talk about taking it later. Just put it on the calendar. It amazes me the number of people that just don't get away. Don't do this. It's going, look, life's going to go on without you. Now, some of you, you're great about this. Some of you, you may be like, whoa, man, I take a lot of time off. Yeah, you, you need to go get a job is what you need to do. <laughs> so don't take this as a license to be lazy. But I'm telling you, we need to be healthy physically so we can be healthy spiritually. I'm going to pray for you today. Father, I just thank you for your word. Thank you how you show us great men and women in Scripture who do amazing things, but you show us their humanity so that we can identify. Father, I ask that you would help us. Whatever part of this message needs to apply to our lives, help us. Give us strength. Let people around us that love us be honest with us and help us not to jump down their throats when they speak. Lord, I'm just reminded even right now because I think there are people in this room that are saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I'm reminded, Lord, that your word says that you'll never ask of us to do what we don't have the ability to do. So I pray, God, just like when Daniel and the young men went into the Babylonian empire, were taken captive and were asked to eat of food that was defiled by by idols and it violated their covenant with you that Daniel asked to eat a special diet went before the king and was granted permission to do so and he honored your word not because it was convenient not because it was acceptable but because it was your word and the Bible records that Daniel was smarter and sharper and better looking than anybody else who had eaten from the king's table. Because God, you honor us when we honor your word. And I pray, help us to do that today. Help us, Lord, not in a pressure, but God, help us to give it to you, to take, let you take on our worries and our concerns and to walk this out. I pray, God, for your strength. I pray, God, for your blessings on your people. In Jesus' name, amen.